first pitch, a bouncing ball hit behind second, stopped by Coward, bounce throw to first, in time, and then Tulowitzki running hard to first base, tumbles over the bag, and immediately he's uh, kind of grimacing and kind of uh, touching his right ankle. You know, how much longer can you count on him, right? So they've got to figure out what do they have in, in Troy Tulowitzki, Wanted to have uh, definitely a different storyline here, but uh, it wasn't necessarily the case. It is, uh, it is what it is. Hopefully, I can uh, turn it around very quickly. He's taller, has a longer reach. He's a bigger man. Yeah, I never missed a weigh-in, but catch me thirty minutes later, it might be a different story. This is the Scott MacArthur Show on TSN ten fifty, the voice of Toronto sports. A couple of minutes after one o'clock, Wheeler. Hogan with you. This is TSN 1050. Coming up on the program today, we have the Hacksaw, Lee Hamilton, joining us. We'll get an NFL discussion and a fairly lengthy one, I assume, uh, because, well, lots going on in the NFL. Exhibition season is upon us. Uh, Morgan Campbell will join us from the Toronto Star uh, with a look at Mayweather and McGregor and the marketing of the fight as it gets closer and closer and closer. I don't know where you are on this. I am still at uh, ground zero. Just there's there's a lot of room to build here. Just I'm. It doesn't intrigue me even slightly. I wish I could get into this fight. They seem like two guys that you could very easily cheer against. There's a lot not to like about either one of these guys. Maybe that's part of it. Maybe there's just I don't have a rooting interest here. I think it's a freak show. It's a gimmick. And for those who like gimmicks, have at it. Fill your boots. Say adios to your 100 bucks, and don't complain when it turns out to be a flop. And I don't know how many of you feel that way. I'm sure I'm not the only one feeling that way. Morgan Campbell from the Toronto Star will drop by. We'll talk about how the um, how the folks are trying to market this. Um, PGA Championship is underway. Hey, John Daly under par. Let's just go to Sunday right now. Let's not him have to play the last seven. The last I checked, he was one under through fourteen, I think. Uh, let's just let's just call it right now. Let's just go so he can be on the final board on the final few pairings on Sunday. Let's just say this is round three. You're on the course right now. No more birdies. You're not allowed to birdie if you're on the course right now. We want Daly on the final leaderboard on Sunday's round. That's what we want. I don't think it's going to happen. It would be cool if it did. See, now that's a story. That's a guy with personality. That would be awesome. Uh, Adam Stanley is going to join us with the Subaru Golf Report coming up at 2.30. Uh, let's see. We have baseball talk in the baseball hour at 3 o'clock. Blue Jays talk with Gregor Chisholm and Dirk Hayhurst, one of our baseball analysts here. Um, Keith, we were uh, listening to this clip. You had it in the last hour. The, the the golf analyst that they had on? Now, you know the old the, the old gimmick separated at birth, right? Where you have two pictures and somebody looks like somebody else. Two famous people look alike. Now, listen to this voice and tell me this doesn't sound like Dirk Hayhurst. The problem I have with it is that 
they look just like spectators. And I understand that people don't want to wear pants when it's hot, but they are recognizable pro athletes in their pants, and especially these days. You know, they wear these fitted, very cool tech fabric uh, kind of pants. So it's not like they're out there in, you know, big, baggy, uh, pleated, uh, uh, you know, 1980s mobster uh, uh, pants. They, they look like <laughs> athletes with their pants. That's not Dirk Hayhurst. That's Jeff Shackelford. That's not Dirk Hayhurst. We have to play that clip for Hayhurst and see if he thinks if that sounds like him. Across the board, Fergie, does that sound like Dirk Hayhurst to you? Just about bang on. I'm wondering if they're both from the Midwest. Is that, uh, it's that Ohio, Ohio thing, maybe. thing, maybe. I don't know. Uh, maybe. <laughs> Sean Levine, producer extraordinary. Does that sound like Dirk Hayhurst to you? I thought it was Jerry Seinfeld off the top. <laughs> but does that sound like Hayhurst? Yes, it did. Keith Bauer, technical director today. Absolutely, it does. Yes! I think that's hysterical. We have to play that today when Hayhurst arrives at 3.30. He'll come on and go, no, that doesn't sound like me. And when he says that doesn't sound like me, he'll sound exactly like Shackleford. That's the way this is going to work. So that's coming up on the show. Uh, we have um, we have a poll question today, don't we, Mr. Levine? At TSN 1050 Radio on Twitter. Uh, I've retweeted it, at TSN 1050. We actually, uh, Just the one poll question today, correct? Correct. And that would be? How would you... Describe Troy Tulowitzki's Blue Jays career so far. Okay, and there are options, and I believe there are four of them. Yes, so right now, 41% said not worth the investment. Mm-hmm. 26% says what we expected. Mm-hmm. 17% worth the investment. 16% says total bust. Is it fair to call him a total bust? I mean, he came here. I I think he added something to this team in the two playoff runs, um, and you knew that that contract was going to be an albatross at some point. Um, I don't think people expected it to be this year. It turned out to be this year, and there's still a couple of years left, obviously, with a lot of money left on this contract. Um, I kind of think he is who he. What what was the? Uh, who was the coach? Dennis Green. Dennis Green. The Bears are who we thought they were. Troy Tulowitzki is who we thought he was. He came in here, played exceptionally well defensively, added some power. Uh, If you believe in the protection theory, some do, some don't. Um, it It was a decent bat to get into that lineup. Maybe see the guys in front of him seeing a few more fastballs. Um, you know, not a great average, certainly since he's come here. 250-ish, probably, career with the with the Jays. He hasn't been the run producer that everybody thought he'd well, be. Well, 70 and 79 RBIs the last two two years. I mean, a bunch of that was with, with uh, Colorado the first year. But last year, 24 home runs, 79 RBIs, 254. Isn't that what we expected? And really good defense? I, I think our, the average, I think people thought he might be a better hitter. Mm-hmm. But he just hasn't seemed adjusted to the American League. I think it's taken him a long time. It shouldn't take a guy with that kind of offensive ability two-plus years to adjust to the pitching in the other league because I don't even know how different the strike zones are now. It used to be back in the day uh, a discernible difference in the in the way that the game was called by umpires. And a lot of that had to do with, uh, you're old enough to remember this, when they had the exterior chest protectors in one league and they didn't in the other league. Uh, 
So there was a different way for an umpire to set up to check out the corner. And that changed the way that the game was called in both leagues. Uh, the National League seemed to have a lower strike zone than the American League. So there was a discernible difference. Now with cross-league cross, uh, play, the interleague play, A, you're playing the other league all the time. You get to see the other umpires on a regular basis. The other umpires get to see you. And it's not like 1970 where if you were a Pittsburgh Pirate, damn it, you were a Pittsburgh Pirate for life. Now guys move around on a regular basis from league to league, from team to team. I, I don't I don't buy that theory as much as I once did because at one point I think it was legitimate discussion. Would you say there's a mile high theory as well? Sure, absolutely. But it's not like he's going from you know, mile high to the Coliseum in Oakland. Right? He's he's going from a hitter friendly park to a hitter friendly park. Um so there, there's going to be that. If, if if he went from a hitter's park to a pitcher's park, he goes to San Diego, let's say, um, man, you, you would understand why there's a difference. This, hitter's park to hitter's park, I don't buy that. I just I just think, too, maybe we expected a little bit more offense. I, I, I'm kind of in the, he is who we thought he, we thought he was going to be camp. So... How many, how many votes do we have? In, as it, it's only been up for like 15 minutes. Yeah, we're up to about 120 votes right now. Okay, we well, only had it up for it? 20 minutes. Where is it right now? What's the, what's the, sorry, what are the results right now? Uh, 42%, not worth the investment. Mm-hmm. What we expected, 26%. Okay, and then you got total busted. Oh, there it is, 16. So you got 58% who don't like the trade at this point and say that, well, it's a total bust or not worth the I would investment. not say Troy Tulowitzki has been a total no, bust. No, neither do I. Um, but I, I can understand why people are looking at it and saying, oh, man, uh, look at that money. And he's no good right now, and he's, he's, he's hurt the Jays this year. You can't take away what he did as part of a team that had decent playoff performances in the last couple of years. Do you believe this current front office would have made that deal? Two years ago? Ooh. I don't know because I don't know. <laughs> this might be unfair. I don't know if Alex Anthopoulos knew he had to hit a home run to keep his job here in Toronto. That was discussed. And I haven't seen anybody really delve into this. If there's an article out there, please let me know on Twitter and I'll try and find it somewhere. But just delving into the fact that you know Anthopoulos knew what he was up against, wanted to keep his job, and said, let's do this. And made the two trades, one for Price, one for Tulowitzki, and it worked. You know, he had done it before. He had made the trades with the Mets and, and Florida, and it didn't work. And it didn't work in very dramatic fashion. So it was an opportunity to prolong his career here in Toronto. And it worked. Did they win the World Series? No. They got to the playoffs. They packed the park. They helped take a team that was starting to get a good vibe again because people were going out and buying the jerseys and maybe starting to go to party a little bit at, at the Rogers Center. But then when they started to win, uh, from that, I forget what the date was, from July or August on when the deals were made, holy crap. I mean, the Blue Jay, as of yesterday, your holy crap moment. Um, that was uh, That was remarkable to see what this town became. Go back seven years, eight years, before they went to those Blue Jay the blue classic uniforms, and they were, for all intents and purposes, the black Jays, when they wore those really stupid black blue Jays with the silver, and oh, it was awful. 
And now all of a sudden, you can't go downtown Toronto and not see. In fact, doing the cross-country tour with uh, with the Argos last year at least, you can't go into a Canadian city and not see a ton of Blue Jay paraphernalia. It's wild. Did you want to get in here, Keith? You had the... No, I just up. you mentioned those lovely black, silver, blue, whatever yeah. the hell they were jerseys. I have a lovely BJ Ryan jersey from those days that um, I just lo- I love to break it out every so often just to. How just happy for some were fun. you? As one of the diehards, as one of the guys who went out and, and bought the uh, merchandise, mm-hmm. how happy were you? Were you when they came up with the classic Blue Jay uniform look? At that point, it didn't make a massive difference to me. Like I, I'm just in terms of a look, I always liked that jersey better. Sure, but it's you know I, I didn't really. You know, it didn't change how I felt about the team much. Like it just, it just meant that I had to buy another jersey, which is. Did you, you know, bu- have fine. you bought more merchandise? Not just because of the change, but do you like the merchandise better now that you might go out and buy instead of just one black Jays hat? You'll go out and you'll buy a couple of different styles, a red or a blue or something like that. I used to be a big hat guy, not so much anymore. But like you know, you know, when they made the change, I went and bought the new Jays, you know, the Jays jersey, the Jays hats. Like it's just, and I think it's just more, it's just easier to wear. It's a better look. It's that that. That light baby blue, whatever, however you want to describe yeah. it, it's just it. Like I don't a know, royal it, blue, yeah, sure. It, it feels better to wear than the did you get crusty a number? black. What's that? When you got the Blue Jays jersey, did you get a number? I got Marcus Stroman. Oh, okay. Yeah. There you go. Nice, Sean. You haven't? Do you have any Blue Jays paraphernalia? I don't think I've ever seen you in Blue Jays stuff. No, I don't wear it to the office, but I have a Batista jersey. Why? Why Batista? Oh. Uh, one of the players I figured wouldn't get traded for a oh. while. I was going through one of those streaks where every jersey you bought as a fan, yeah. your player would get traded. I and it was funny. You. The one jersey I thought, ah, he's never going to go, was Daniel Alfredson. Because, of course, I'm a Sens fan. Yeah. And what happens? A I've couple do- of months later, he's gone. I've done that twice. Where I actually, and this is... You know, when it wasn't as easy to go out and get the jersey made, you had to go and specially order it. Sort of uh, 1990s, 2000, right. whatever. With the special stitching yes, and all that. exactly. And you wanted to get it exactly the same. And, you know, the teams that I have a, a fondness for aren't exactly huge in this market, right? So I went, the Eagles had drafted a guy in the first round, and I was pumped. I said, okay, this is going to be the guy. This is going to be the guy. So I went and I got the Eagles jersey and I got the stitching and got everything done. And let's just say the career of Mike Mamula did not turn out to be what it was supposed to be. They passed on Warren Sapp to get him because they were so pumped up at this defensive end and how his workouts were. Well, he was really good in the gym. And we'll leave it at that. And the other one was, I had watched this kid play junior hockey and I knew that he was going to be a great player. Sometimes you get a hunch and it's wrong. This guy was a great player, and he was a great player for a long time. Hall of Famer, fantastic. So I bought a Hartford Whalers jersey with Chris Pronger on the back. Yeah, so I still have that somewhere. I've got a Whaler Pronger jersey somewhere. That actually should be worth something. Yeah, fight strap and everything, right? (laughs) <laughs> and I actually had a, I had a good little jersey run with the Giants over, I guess, from 2004 to 2009 or whatever it was. Uh-huh. Uh, Kurt Warner, after they picked him up, that was we all we all know how that worked out. Tiki Barber, the year before he started questioning Eli, Eli Manning's leadership and the coaching and yeah. retiring middle of the season. And then good old Plexico Burris. I bought that jersey, I guess, the year, the year that they won their first Super Bowl over the Patriots. And then, uh-huh. lo and behold, next fall, oh, I'm just going to go shoot myself in the leg. And, <laughs> yeah. 
Well, he's a so Hall I moved on to my Eli Manning jersey and never looking back. That's good. Uh, we'll scoot away for a couple of seconds here, and when we come back, uh, we will regroup and await the arrival of one hacksaw, Lee Hamilton. As we'll get your NFL fix in here, we will continue to update you on what's going on at the PGA Championship. Uh, we'll get the Canadian content. They're all out. Uh, is Hadwin's, I think, the first off the tee. He should be gone by now. We'll double-check on that during the break. And uh, also, the Baseball Hour with Gregor Chisholm and Dirk Hayhurst. It's all ahead. Morgan Campbell joining us at 2 o'clock as well with his take on Mayweather-McGregor. That's all ahead as we continue with the Scott MacArthur Show. My name's Mike Hogan, filling in for Scotty Mack, who's in on Overdrive today on TSN 1050. Playoff pitch, and Tulowitzki with a drive. Deep left field, and gone! Three-run home run. Off the bat of Troy Tulowitzki, his first hit of the postseason. Troy Tulowitzki is the batter here for Toronto. And the first pitch, a bouncing ball hit behind second. Stopped by Coward. Bounce throw to first in time. And then Tulowitzki running hard to first base. Tumbles over the bag. And immediately he's uh, kind of grimacing and kind of uh, touching his right ankle. Twenty-three minutes after one o'clock, Hogan with you. This is TSN ten fifty. It's the Scott MacArthur Show. Scotty's not in today. Here he's in at four o'clock for Hayes, who's not here at all. Uh, let's see. Coming up at the program, bottom of the hour, the hacksaw Lee Hamilton will drop by. We have the Tulo thing going because that's our Twitter poll question today. How would you describe Troy Tulowitzki's career so far with the Jays? Worth the investment? What we expected? Not worth the investment? Or total bust? And uh, now we even get discussion among people uh, replying to this. And some are even upset with the question. Uh, what did uh, There was one guy here, blah, blah, blah. I can't believe that statement. Not worth the investment, says Rodney. And 42% of the people agree that that's the right thing to say. And they go on to say, well, you know, what's the alternative? A couple of other people say, what's the alternative? Jose Reyes at the time? So it was, you know, it's interesting discussion. But right now, not worth the investment. 42%. Saying that, and I guess you look at uh, the long term, what's ahead on the contract. Uh, we have the hot, the uh, the uh, hacksaw Lee Hamilton joining us at the bottom of the hour. Uh, off air yesterday, Sean and I were getting into the Colin Kaepernick discussion, which we got into on air a couple of days ago as well. And I was saying I wouldn't touch him, and Sean said, "Well, give me your list of quarterbacks. Who who uh, who 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 could he start over, and who couldn't he start over?" So I have this list. You tell me. How wrong I am on any of these, okay? I kind of broke this down into five categories. Elite, very good, great potential, meh, or no, don't want him as my starting quarterback. Does that make sense as far as the slotting guys? Elite. Now, you may disagree or agree with this on where where these are slotted, but I don't think there's going to be a guy who I say elite you're going to look at as going meh. Um, I only have three elite quarterbacks. I have Brady. I have uh, Rodgers. And I think Matt Ryan is now in that class. So that's the only three elites I have. Uh, The very good. Palmer, Flacco, Newton, Dalton, Stafford, Breeze, Manning, Carr, Wentz, Rivers, Roethlisberger, Cousins, Mariota, and Wilson. They're all very good quarterbacks. You're not going to start Colin Kaepernick over any of those players. Is that fair? That is very fair. Okay. Great potential. And I, I, I sort of wavered on putting this guy in very good. But Prescott with the Cowboys. I just I'm not not yet. 
I'm not going to put him up there yet. Small sample size. Yes, but I'm still not going to start Colin Kaepernick ahead of him. That's what I'm, I'm saying yep, here. Understood. Um, Simeon in uh, in Denver. Goff haven't seen much, but they've made the investment in him, so they're gonna they're gonna stick with that. Uh, Jameis Winston. I don't know where to put Hackenberg on this list because I like the kid. I don't know how good he's going to be though, and I would rather try to develop him ahead of. Kaepernick. So that's why I put him on that list. Although there, there's potential. I don't know if it's great or not. I didn't know where to slot him. Uh, Trubisky with Glennon in, in Chicago. Again, I'm not I'm not going, if I'm the Bears, I'm not going in that direction. Because I have a couple of guy, uh, guys. In May, uh, Tyrod Taylor, Savage, Bortles, Smith in KC. I have Matt Moore as my starter in Minnesota. I'm not going to touch the other guy. Or in uh, Miami. Not going to touch the other guy. Uh, Bradford and Hoyer. So those are my... I could be talked out, but would I start Kaepernick over any of them? No. And uh, the only guy I have no as a starter... I don't know who the hell you start in Cleveland. Osweiler? No. So, there's my list. I don't know... I don't see Kaepernick fitting in ahead of any of those guys. And, and does that grouping, did, you, did any of those guys stand out and go, no, you're an idiot, he should be in another no, category? No, uh, I think in the Jets situation, they're there to tank this year. Yeah, and see what they have in some of the kids. Even and though the NFL says nobody tanks in the NFL, when, they have set their roster to tank. When Hackenberg came out of high school, he was one of the elite guys in the country. And he went to Penn State because Bill O'Brien was there. And Bill O'Brien left Penn State, because he just wanted to get out of Penn State, and who can blame him? Um, but, uh, you know, how much did that hurt his development at that level? I don't know. But there's still there's still something there. He could be a guy like Matt Castles, who you saw really develop at the pro level. And I think he could be that kind of guy because there's enough talent there. So I think the Jets are actually doing the right thing. Um, will they win a game this year? Maybe not. They may win one or two by... Bad luck. Um, if you're if you're in part of Tank Nation, they'll they'll certainly have a high draft pick next year. Uh, the thing is, how many franchise quarterbacks are out there? One of the reasons when 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 the Eagles made the, the the trade for Carson Wentz, I found this the most interesting part of this of the deal was Doug Peterson, who knows quarterbacks. He seems to be that guy who just scouts. He and and his scouts looked at every. Quarterback. They looked at video at every guy that had been touted as potentially being a pro prospect. And they looked over and over and over at the film and took a look at where that guy was as an 18-year-old, as a 19-year-old, as a 20, 21. And they tried to project what he was going to be like in his draft year and a couple of years after that. And they said, I think the, it was either the next three years or the next four years, we don't see a potential franchise quarterback. We need one. That's why we're going to overpay significantly to get Wentz because their theory is you can't win without a franchise quarterback. So I find it interesting now when teams are jockeying for position for a quarterback, knowing what Peterson had thought about, albeit a year ago, um, it's, it's interesting to look back and say, hmm, that's an interesting theory. I wonder if there is a guy who's going to mature as a junior or as a senior at the NCAA level who's going to be that potential star in the NFL. It's interesting. And, you know, we'll see what happens with this year's class. And the Bears are obviously hoping uh, that the you know they've been able to find somebody who could be a franchise quarterback. They're trying to, in any sport, and we see this, you know, it's almost impossible in baseball to draft a kid at 17 or what, 18 and, and, and figure out what he's going to be like. 
uh, in that sport. Hockey, it's tough enough. Sometimes you see a guy go in the third round and you go, man, why wasn't he a first rounder two years ago? Because he's one of those late bloomers. Um, you know, maybe that's the case with some of the quarterbacks. So of all of the guys on that list, the one I was kind of eh, humming and hawing about where to put him was Hackenberg. And just, I, I want to see what's there. And this is a perfect opportunity to see what's there. And if at the end of the year you don't like him, you cut him. Okay, you lost a year of development for somebody, but you know for sure. And you might make the decision after eight games that he's not the guy, but at least he'll get a chance. When we come back, more NFL talk as uh, the hacksaw Lee Hamilton will join us as we continue with the Scott MacArthur Show here on TSN 1050. One thirty-one. 29 before 2 o'clock. Happy Thursday. Mike Hogan and for Scott MacArthur today on TSN 1050. We've got the Sound Wars coming up in the next hour. We've got uh, the Subaru Golf Report with Adam Stanley, who basically uh, writes for everybody when it comes to golf. Uh, Morgan Campbell from the Toronto Star looking ahead to Mayweather-McGregor. And in the 3 o'clock hour, it's the baseball hour here on TSN 1050. Gregor Chisholm will join us from MLB.com and Dirk Hayhurst will drop by. And if you didn't hear, we're not going to play it again. But we played this off the top of the show. There was a golf analyst on this morning that sounds exactly like Hayhurst. So we're going to play that for for Dirk and see what kind of response we get out of the uh, out of the former pitcher. But first, uh, a look at the National Football League as camps are upon us. The exhibition season is now officially underway, and who better to look at the NFL? From LeeHacksawHamilton.com, longtime play-by-play voice in the National Football League, the lovely and talented Mr. Lee Hamilton. Hacksaw, what's up? Good afternoon in Toronto. How are you, Mike? Better than adequate, now that you're here. It's just, it's, 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 boo- it's, it's, it's kind of raised the level. The water has lifted. This is good. Oh, lifted. Yes, that's it. A uh, lot of talk about quarterbacks, obviously. So there are a few situations I wouldn't mind getting out of the way, as it were. But uh, one of the big discussions has been about Jake Cutler in Miami uh, being uh, reunited with his former offensive coordinator. Is, what does your gut tell you about what Cutler's going to be like this year? Well, I'll give you two angles and storylines to what's happened in Miami. One is the real private concern about the continued damage to the knee of quarterback Ryan Tannehill. You know, he had surgery at the end of last season, and now he goes out, hyperextends the knee, re-damages the ligaments that had been repaired. So, you know, now, now we're talking significant time to rehab and two major injuries in a short period of time. That's, that's not good. Mm-hmm. Uh, in terms of Cutler, you ask different people, you get different viewpoints. I mean, when he came out of Vanderbilt, he was a stud. He had a live arm, a cannon. He could throw it a mile. Uh, and his career had hit a plateau, but it never got off that plateau. And then his career became one of more, well, he's your quarterback of your team, and he'll get you there, and then he'll get you beat because he continues to throw interceptions. Uh, his career stats are 208 touchdowns, 168 picks. That's an awful lot. Yikes. Uh, he, he's also been questioned as to whether he's really a good leader or just an independent thinker. So he's had some he's had some seasons. He's had one four thousand yard passing season. I think the the reason he's linked to Miami right now is he was in Adam Gay's system in Chicago. He had some good years there when Adam was the offensive coordinator. Adam is now the head coach uh, in Miami. So he walked in the front door, knows the playbook. The question is, 
you know, is he going to be a, a difference maker, or is he going to manage the game, or is he going to screw it up again? Because that's been his history. The the one thing that works for them is they do have vibrant wide receivers in Miami, and they have a big time physical running back. Although he's got a concussion issue now that scares him in Jay Ajayi. So I think Cutler's the right guy at the right time, but is he going to be the kind of quarterback many had hoped he would be, or is he just going to be a guy good enough? to screw it up for you when it really counts. You've, you've been around the NFL a long time, and, and for those who don't get the opportunity to see you know this sport on a daily basis, put into, and this is my worry about Cutler, is the intangibles. And the, the work ethic has been questioned, and the leadership school, uh, skills have been questioned. And I've, I've never had a problem, as you mentioned, off the top with the talent. It's, you know, he can throw a ball a mile, he's, he's got a gun. But the, the complaints are always about the dedication to the sport. Where do you put uh, the intangibles? Well, if you were to list the, the the skill set of a quarterback, where do you put leadership and intangibles? Well, if I was going to give a letter grade of A to quarterbacks, it would have to be a guy who's not only a, a stud physically, but he's a guy that is intellectual. And then the letter grade A also goes to a guy that controls the locker room and a guy that has the respect of everybody and a guy that's in that facility at 6 a.m. and is the last guy to leave and is there all the time in film. A lot of those things don't link to Cutler. Yeah, Cutler's yeah. probably a B-minus to a C based on what I've been told from coaches and others. Now, he's gotten by on just great raw talent. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's no doubt about the fact that this is a big, physical, vibrant quarterback. He's only had one or two injuries over the course of his career. He just doesn't do all the things you want from the Brett Favre's of the world to the the Troy Aikman's to the, I mean, the guy that I hung around with the most here more recently is Philip Rivers, yeah. who are just addicted to the job and all the responsibilities that come with the job. So we'll see where it goes. It's, it's probably the best quarterback out that they could have gotten because, like I said, he walked in the front door knowing Adam Gay's playbook. Shy of someone, someone giving him a contract, uh, how does the Colin Kaepernick story go away? Well, it's not going to go away for the time being, but he's getting a lot of emotional support. Doug Baldwin, the wide receiver in Seattle, said yesterday, but the NFL needs to rethink everything. Uh, Spike Lee, who's been very vocal yeah. on behalf of Colin Kaepernick, is calling for a civic rally in New York. And now he's, he may try to paint this all as a racial thing. I tend to doubt it's that. I, I, I do think, though, that there are mixed priorities. There's some people in the league that are, are popping off that, well, we might not want this type of guy. But, geez, look at the criminal element that's on some of the rosters in the NFL. Uh, and I think you and I might have chatted about this just briefly last week. Yeah. Yes, he took a public stance about the flag that I didn't agree with and a lot of people don't agree with, kneeling during the anthem. But I'll tell you what, in the calendar year since he did that, he's backed everything up. He has spent more than a million of his own money on charitable foundations in San Francisco and Oakland and what he did to help build a hospital in Ghana. And that's pretty impressive. Uh, I think the football perspective is, does he fit your system? Do you have to change your system? Can he change his style to fit your system if you sign him? I think he's limited as to where he can go just because what he excels at is not what most NFL clubs run. That's kind of the same storyline with Robert Griffin III. Lee Hamilton joining us from LeeHacksawHamilton.com. Uh, every team learns something in an exhibition game. Did Houston learn that they now have a full-fledged QB battle underway? Well, Bill O'Brien has spoken glowingly the last two weeks about Deshaun Watson, the first-round draft pick out of Clemson. This kid played last night. Now, Tom Savage, who was supposed to be the starter, played okay. This kid came off the bench and threw for 179 yards and ran for 24 more yards along the way. Didn't get him the victory, but he really played well. He didn't have a lot of blocking in front of him. He had a lot of backup guys, and guys are going to get cut in a couple of weeks. But he was still very explosive. Only concern I'd have about Watson, he took three sacks and six other hits. 
Mm-hmm. And that's and that's playing that's playing against less than pro bowlers on the defensive side of the football. So the sure. question is, you know, he's going to have to change that he's not exposing himself and getting hurt. So that's a that's a big issue there. But uh, he seems really ahead of the curve, and we'll see how much playing time he gets in week two. And then what they do in week three, because week three is where all the veterans play into the third quarter of most of these games. And if he's still playing a lot of minutes, that means he's really moved up the depth chart in Houston. But it looks like they got themselves a gem. Yeah, and, you know, the more the merrier after what they've had to go through, certainly. And speaking of uh, markets that have needed a quarterback, Cleveland would certainly qualify there. The last Browns quarterback to start at least 12 games in back-to-back seasons is Tim Couch 15 years ago. Uh, That will continue because nobody started uh, 75% of the games last year. So now the question is, Brock Osweiler, uh, who is basically given to the Cleveland Browns, will he be any good in that situation? Write this number down on that piece of paper on your desk next okay. to the coffee cup. The number is 25. 25. 25 different starting quarterbacks in Cleveland since 1999. That's unbelievable. <laughs> unbelievable. You don't even see that in the Canadian Football League where they change quarterbacks every there year. There we go. Uh, but it, it, it is stunning to me. Osweiler is going to start their first preseason game. Deshaun Kaiser, uh, the kid out of Notre Dame, has had equal number of starts. Cody Kessler is still in the mix there. I don't know what they're going to do. There seems to be a sentiment that Kaiser might might have the bigger upside, but Kaiser's just a kid. Yeah. So we'll we'll find out where they go but between Kessler and Osweiler. I would assume by the time we get to September first, one of those guys will be the starting quarterback. Okay, let's keep talking about quarterbacks in Denver. Um, do they have a battle? Is it, is it Paxton Lynch? Is it Trevor Simeon? Uh, Simeon's going to start the first preseason game. Lynch has kind of dropped back of the pack a little bit. They've really Mike McCoy, the former Chargers coach, has gone back there as offensive coordinator, and they've really installed a lot of different stuff. And the, Paxton Lynch is staggered under the weight of all the additional responsibilities they want. He's not doing well uh, out of the, under the center, out of the pocket. And McCoy wants his guys to be able to come at a three-step drop, five-step drop out from center, whereas Lynch grew up at Memphis State is strictly in the shotgun formation. So it, it hasn't worked real well in the last week. He's regressed. Trevor Simeon will be the starting quarterback, at least in this first preseason game. Now, Lynch is going to start the second game, so it's incumbent upon him with whatever Mike McCoy's calling and they're running. He'd do much better in this next week of practice because he's going to get a whole first half in game two, and if he doesn't perform well, then he's obviously not going to be the starter. Uh, a couple of other quarterback notes. The Jets spent a high draft pick on Christian Hackenberg, yeah. uh, the Penn State quarterback. He's been demoted to third string. Has not really? played well. Yeah, has not played well at all. Uh, in Kansas City, they're kind of force-feeding Pat Mahomes, uh, the kid out of Texas, the high draft pick. He's struggling. He's thrown a lot of interceptions. I think he's thrown seven interceptions in a week and a half in practice. And Geno Smith, remember him, the former New York Jets high draft pick, the kid out of West Virginia. He left his free agent, went to the Giants. He's been demoted to third on the depth chart as they begin their preseason games. So there's some guys that were drafted high not doing real well, and some of the young kids who drafted high are going through a real tough transition. You also can include Mitch Trubisky of Chicago, who the Bears – traded up to get, but boy, he's thrown a bunch of interceptions, too. It does not look like he's ready to be anybody's starting quarterback. It's funny, because just because we brought you on, I was talking about Hackenberg and thinking, you know, this is an opportunity for him, um, because, you know, when he came out of, of high school, certainly, he was one of those five-star guys, right? He went to Penn sure. State, and it was Bill O'Brien, and this was going to be the perfect marriage, and he was going to be fast-tracked to the NFL. So I, f- I followed him, 
And I thought with an opportunity with the Jets this year, at least we get a chance to see what he can do because, let's face it, the Jets aren't going to win more than two games in any circumstance, I wouldn't think. And it's like, okay, here, let's just see what we have. And I, that surprises me that they've demoted him all the way to third. I had not seen that story. Well, the, the intriguing thing is Hackenberg was recruited, got thrown into the water at Penn State. You know, that was a real tough situation that sure. Bill O'Brien inherited yeah. after the scandal and Joe Paterno's passing and the, the sanctions. Hackenberg played a lot. Uh, by his third year at Penn State, he was a big-time quarterback, big-time thrower. But I think, Mike, it just it really shows how hard it is to take that step from wherever you are in college. And Penn State's a big-time program. Take that step across the street and to play at the NFL level, because the level of defense and the athletes on defense are so phenomenal, it's just, it's just a tough learning curve. So, you know, the, you kind of marvel at what Dak Prescott did yeah, with the Cowboys last season. He just walked in the front door like, this is no big thing I can handle it, when you see so many other quarterbacks just staggering. And, and you know, some takes three years to make it, some never, ever make it. So, tough transition. Uh, times have changed from those grueling two-a-days and, you know, think of the heat and nobody cared and the coaches would love it when it was hot because it worked the players tougher and, you know, the old line that water makes you soft. Uh, the tough days uh, still going on in Kansas City and New York. What's up there? Well, there's just a lot of stuff going on around the league right now in terms of camps. Uh, uh, there's a story that's just breaking this morning. I'll, I'll give you a lead on that, too. But first, to address your question. The National Football League is, Roger Goodell has just gone public yesterday. He said, I don't like four preseason games. I'm going to propose we change it. I'm going to propose we go back to three regular season games. A rookie-controlled scrimmage is the fourth way to evaluate players. And he says he's now interested in talking to the owners and at the same time talking to the union about reinserting maybe an extra week or two weeks of OTA workouts. The coaches are concerned they're not getting enough time in the off season now uh, to teach these players and to get them physically ready for the rigors of actual games. Uh, the league has had a horrible siege in the last two years since they put the limitations in in off season workouts. Horrible siege of Achilles injuries and torn knee ligaments, and they 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 are concerned. The coaches are concerned that they're not getting enough time on the practice field with the players to actually do the physical things you need to during the course of the game. So Goodell says, let's let's cut one, the preseason back. Maybe we'll find a way to negotiate the reinstallment of, of two weeks of OTAs to help the coaches evaluate and to further train. The, the reason all this was put into effect two years ago was NFL had become an 11-month-a-year job. Yeah. Players had to be in the facility all the time. Yeah. And they have no time to rest, no time for their bodies to recover. So they, they went polar opposite. They've gotten rid of two-a-days, they limit you as to how much you can be in pads, things of that nature. So, so they tried something different, and now their people are barking it's not right. The other big story is just breaking. The NFL's chief medical officer wants to meet with research people to talk about the use of medical marijuana as an alternative mm-hmm. to painkiller pills, and this is huge. Uh, however, they, the chief medical officer wants to figure out a way to do a sample survey of NFL players as to how medical marijuana would help them. So I'll, th- I'll throw the question at you, and you can talk about it on your show, or you, maybe you can give me a quick response. Okay. Who do they use in the sample survey? That's what they want to do. Uh, they they want to take a group of players and give them medical marijuana as an mm-hmm. alternative to painkillers to help them control pain management. Now, do you use players who are on season-ending IR who have pain issues? 
do you use retired players who've just left the game, mm-hmm. who have major pain yeah. issues? Do you use, do you use them in the sample survey, or do you go to teams that are in states that allow medical marijuana and select active players who have pain issues and use them as in the test survey? Very intriguing question is where do you go get players for the sample survey? The NFL doctors want to, want to find out. I don't have an answer this morning. I'm going to talk to more people about it, but uh, it's intriguing because they are really seriously considering this. Of course, marijuana is a forbidden drug in the National Football League as it relates to drug testing. Now, how yeah. do you do that? Yeah, especially if it's legal in some of the states. Um, that that makes it uh, interesting. And, I, you know, I, I know that uh, in the past, I know it's a banned substance, but uh, so many so many guys now in the league will, will, will go out and use marijuana as opposed to popping the pills. Um, some think it's, uh, it's less addictive. Uh, some find it's easier, and I know if you get busted in the uh, in the NFL, that is problematic. I know a lot of uh, a lot of guys in the past. I, I don't know how many now in this current era uh, have, have certainly used marijuana for that specific purpose um, because they were terrified about you know getting addicted to the painkillers. So uh, it's 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 damned if you do, damned if you don't. But boy, with with the size of the guys in that league now, uh, Lee, I just don't know how guys go through you know the Tuesday morning after the Sunday without taking something. I, I, I just don't know how they do it. Yeah, I mean, it's a 100% injury game. Yeah. Uh, and uh, even though they've invoked a lot of lot of new rules to try to protect the players, and, and despite the fact that they've done positive things as it relates to the violent aspect of the game, looking towards the concussions, you still got the injury factor. I like, I, I like you. When I was a long-time voice of the Chargers and Seahawks, I'd come home on Sunday night and wonder... I wonder how these guys at home feel tonight at 10 p.m. after yeah. suffering an injury, or what is it like on Monday and Tuesday for them? It's, I think it's really hard. But then again, you, you, you know, marijuana is illegal, yeah. and it's a banned substance in the NFL. And if you allow active players, you give them license to use medical marijuana, then what do you? Then how do you police the people who are healthy that just might be doing it because it's a social thing to do? I don't have an answer for that. I'll, I'll be intrigued to see where they go to get the sample size of people that they want to test this on. Is it, is it the guys on IR with season-ending injuries? Is, yeah. it, is it just retired players, which I think would be my preference? Or do you allow it, active players in states that allow mar- medical marijuana? Intriguing question. Yeah, as long as they don't test for alcohol in the, in the press box, I think we're okay. A pleasure. Thank you for doing this, Lee. Get a plug-in for your website. Yeah, we do a lot of things, write a lot of things, write commentaries and columns every day. It's LeeHacksawHamilton.com. I know you don't like being on the QEW during rush hour, but at least if you read my stuff on my website, you'll be the most intelligent man stuck in gridlock. Every hour is rush hour in Toronto now, Lee. Thank you for doing this. Same thing in L.A., Mikey. Thank you. you. Have yourself a great day. You too. The Hacksaw Lee Hamilton joining us from LeeHacksawHamilton.com. Shout out coming up next. Then we delve into the marketing of Mayweather McGregor at the top of the hour here on TSN 1050. Scotty Mac gives a shout out on TSN 1050. You're the real MVP.
Ah, yes, indeed. Creeping up on 2 o'clock. Hogan with you here on TSN 1050. Time for the shout-out. Uh, today, I want to give a shout-out to uh, an old friend who... Uh, you, you get those text messages that uh, seemingly when you hit 50-plus uh, or 40-plus, they come a little more frequently. Got one of those yesterday with some sad news that Jerry Campbell had passed away. And uh, even if you're a certain vintage, you may not know who the hell Jerry Campbell is, but uh, Jerry, like most kids who have that last name, are given the nickname Soupy. And Soupy Campbell was a football player who played in the Canadian Football League in Ottawa in the late 60s, early 70s, and made his way to the Hall of Fame. But uh, Soupy ended up settling here. He was from uh, the U.S. He played his uh, ball at... Uh, at the University of Idaho um, with a couple of teammates who became coaches up here. Don Matthews and Steve Barato were his teammates at Idaho. But he came up and he, and he stayed in Toronto. He liked Toronto and ended up buying. He got into the bar business. He had a Soupies was his bar for a while. He owned uh, with Bobby Taylor, the former Argo, the Black Bull down on uh, on Queen Street for a long time, which is my favorite watering hole in town. Uh, and then he was uh, he got out of that and was in Captain Jack's uh, in the beach area. And he, he tended bar there for a long time. And an absolute character. Great player. Even bigger personality. Um, he passed yesterday. He had been uh, the subject of uh, Bob McEwen's story on the Fifth Estate. Uh, Bob and he were teammates with the Riders. And uh, Bob was delving into head injuries and Alzheimer's and all of the things that some of the players uh, are going through at this stage. And that's what, that's what hit Soupy. Um, he had advanced Alzheimer's. He had been battling dementia. I hadn't seen Soupy in uh, four or five years because, well, Soupy wasn't Soupy. And it was, he was starting to go in that direction. And, you know, luckily, my memories of him are all spectacularly funny memories. He just had that personality. Anybody who had been at Captain Jack's, and I'm sure there's a lot of folks who have spent time on the beach uh, who, who remember him from uh, being the big guy behind the bar. He was a great player. He was a bigger character. And to get that news yesterday, very sad. So the shout-out today goes to Jerry Soupy Campbell from the uh, Canadian Football Hall of Fame, who sadly passed away after after a fight that nobody should have to be involved in. So uh, I toasted him tonight, Soupy. This one's for you. Coming up in the next hour, uh, we'll get into uh, the Mayweather-McGregor fight. Morgan Campbell from the Toronto Star breaks down how they're trying to sell this thing. Uh, Adam Stanley from, uh, well, parts all over the place when it comes to writing. uh, writing, uh, uh, Among those, the PGATour.com. Uh, he's with Canadian Press, adamstanley.ca. He'll join us in the 2 o'clock hour. Uh, Graham Deletoff to a very nice start. Fergie will have that for us as well. Gregor Chisholm and Dirk Hayhurst part of the baseball hour as well as we continue with the Scotty Mack Show on TSN 1050.